0: I'm in intellectual, I'm in it to lecture. My parents never showed much. Women are the product. Could have been feminist because I respect them, but Lord, I got polygamy products. The hoodie cover bodies, spending money, therapeutic. The way they do down, think that you care to buy some. buy product, but let's y'all get us not And for worrying. My favorite's gone. The tax problems. Pierre Moss, I dropped 10 on my last visit. And half that up the sacks. I favor black businesses. Yo, 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 what's going on, people? It's your boy, Kim. Welcome back to the Flying Intellectual Podcast, episode 27, I believe, don't quote me. (laughs) Shout out to Wale on this new record, one of my favorite songs on the project, called Sue Me. saying that he's rooting for everybody who's black who's doing something out here and i'm i'm on that too really and truly how y'all been doing though hope everybody's good man hope everybody's blessed continuing to work towards their dreams and aspirations and all of that um i know it's been a while man there's a lot going on there's a lot going on I appreciate y'all patience people who've been hitting me up like yo when's the next episode where's the next episode um yeah, man, it's been it's been a very very busy year, but I mean October for sure has been very hectic, um, in a good way, in a good way. Um, I was blessed to be able to do some different things out of my comfort zone, but um, you know what we you know you know how they say you know once you do something out of your comfort zone or do something on the other side of fear, there's some type of breakthrough there. So um, I was fortunate to be able to host uh, a showcase at the A3C event. Now, if you don't know, A3C is a big uh, festival and conference here held in um, Atlanta, Georgia. It's called the All Three Coasts uh, Conference and Festival, uh, where they blend uh, design, uh, fashion, music, and culture um, kind of all together in this melting pot of things for a whole week. Um, And... uh, the new ownership group is, is the Gathering Spot, uh, the Gathering Spot is this networking um, entity here locally in Atlanta, but they also have our building and our branding, branching out into uh, D.C., L.A., and other different parts. Um, one half of the ownership of the Gathering spots is T.K. Peterson, who is from where I'm from, St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands. Um. And he granted us a showcase for Virgin Islands artists at the events, at the festival. So that was a big deal. And I was blessed to be able to host the first ever one um, along with Julie Lansico. And that was really fun. It was really interesting. Um, it was great to see the talent. They, everybody brought their A-game. Everybody brought the energy. The support was great. And, um, you know, we're, we're appreciative to TK for having that vision and being able to give us a seat at that A3C table. Um, and ironically, of course, you know, it's a great segue because, you know, today we're talking about inclusion and diversity uh, in the workforce. Um, so, yeah. So once again, that was a great thing. The whole conference was great. There were different panels of, of um, you know, influencers and legends and people in tech, design. I got to see uh, Dapper Dan in conversation um, that was really, really informative and really inspiring. Uh, also, uh, thank you to everybody who showed love on the Voyage ATL, uh, Voyage ATL interview magazine interview. Um, I was fortunate to be able to be interviewed about my endeavors, about my story coming up to to this point um, of where I'm at right now. And um, you know, any any I'm I'm able to be granted an opportunity to speak on any platform to share my sentiments to share my testament. Uh, I'm grateful, you know what I'm saying? Uh I don't take any of that stuff for granted cuz people sometimes people really don't care, you know what I'm saying? And um when when someone shows interest and when someone is trying to give you a platform, take it, use it. As long as they're not exploiting you as as long as they're not using you as a pawn. You know, this whole this whole world and this whole ecosystem we live in, you know, you almost have to use each other. And when I say use, I don't mean like in a detrimental or bad way, but, you know, we have to utilize each other. We're, we're not here alone and nobody's self-made, no matter how many rappers say it, right? You know, no matter how many people say, yeah, I did this myself, you know, there had to be somebody to, to either grant you an opportunity or partner with you, or even if it was an encouraging word, man, or, or someone who gave you some insight you know, some knowledge. It doesn't matter. That person helped you get to another level. So we got to remember that. All right, man, enough with that. Let's get into the nitty gritty of why we're here today. Um, inclusion and diversity is th- these are two words that I've heard thrown around, probably the most I've ever heard it thrown around this year alone. And uh with that being said, we're living in a world where it's all inclusive. And when I say all inclusive, everybody everybody wants to sit at the table, every color, every race, every gender, it doesn't matter. Everyone is deserving of that. And that's how it should have been from the jump. However, of course, we know with systematic things and with man, all types of things. We we could we can take a microscope and and put it on it, and, and say, "Hey, this this aided to that. This 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 was a result of that." But let's just keep it simple. At the end of the day, the white man they they made it in a way that we were lesser than. We, you know, started from slavery. You know, us doing the 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 hard work, the hard labor. You know, for them for free, right? We literally built literally built America for free. This great country, quote unquote, I put great in big quotes, country that we live in, because there are some good things. We're allowed to be able to do certain things that, hey, if we were living in another country, we wouldn't be allowed to do. So, you know, you have to take, you know, the good with a grain of salt. But at the same time, we built this country on the backs of our ancestors. We built this country and, it's crazy that as this country continues to progress, we have to almost beg for a position or we almost have to fight every day for inclusion. And the word inclusion comes from the word included, right? So we're not even, we're not even at the, in the grand scheme of things, we're just literally asking, hey, master, could we have a, a crumb from the table or can we just be around the table? Which, and don't take that in the wrong way, I'm not saying, we're, literally, we're not calling these motherfuckers, and excuse my term now, we're not calling them masters anymore, F that, but I'm saying, literally, we're just saying, hey, can we be, especially though we are deserving, those of us who have worked hard, those of us who have attained a certain level of thing, why can't we be in the room? Why can't we partner? Why can't we own? So... Let's get into it a little deeper. I was doing some research and before I start, I say that, let me preface by saying a lot of these companies these days, they're making it seem like they want inclusion and they want diversity. But to me, and I would love to hear y'all's feedback, but to me, a lot of these companies, They are afraid to be canceled. We know that we live in a cancel culture day and age where if we aren't at the table, if we aren't feeling like we are getting our just due, you're going to get canceled. We're going to protest. We're going to do whatever, which then puts a magnifying glass on these companies because of social media and all of this. So you get a hundred million retweets on something, you get a whatever, it goes viral. Then all of a sudden a company feels like, oh my God, oh my God, we're at risk of losing money, which is what it's about, right? At the end of the day, that's literally all they care about. The only way that I feel like we really affect quote unquote change is that when 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 they lose money, when we tell a Gucci, we're not spending no money with them. But at the same time, I almost don't believe in the canceling because I do believe sometimes it's like putting a Band-Aid over a ship's leak, right? The ship is leaking, so we put a Band-Aid on it. That Band-Aid ain't going to do nothing, right? At the end of the day, you need to repair the ship. So if we keep putting Band-Aids on sinking ships, I feel like it 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 it, it negates... What really needs to happen. What really needs to happen is to have true and open conversation with these companies, with these racists, whoever it is that are in power, to be able to tell them, look, this is A, B, and C, the reasons why we deserve to be in the same room. So with that being said, let's get into some of the numbers because I don't want it to seem like it's all bad because we are progressive. So the U.S. population and the nation's workforce has been has been becoming increasingly diverse in the forty years between 1980 and 2020. The white working-age population would will have declined from eighty-three percent of the nation's total to sixty-three percent, while the number of minority workers have doubled. So. We're just, we're starting from the ground level of things. We're, we're on the hierarchy of things. So we're just starting at ground level. We're just talking about workers in the workforce being diverse. So we are, so we are, have become way more diverse, right? And black, brown, it doesn't matter. People of color are getting or are taking more opportunity day by day. Here's another cool little statistic. 67% of job seekers factor in diversity before they even take a job these days. So we've we're, 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 we're changed direction to our millennials. 67% of millennials consider workplace diversity before they even take a job. So we are going into these interviews and we're saying, okay, cool, Boom, we're doing this. We're, we're answering the questions. But hey, here's a question I have for you. What, what does your diversity look like? What does your inclusion look like? What is, how, much, how many women are working here? How many women are in power here? How many black people are here? How many colored people are here? This is increasingly important to us in this day and age, which is also forcing these companies to have to take a look. Because people literally are not taking jobs unless there is diversity in the workplace. So it's another way that we can say that we are forcing the hand of these companies. The majority of women in the workforce feel excluded from decision-making and do not feel comfortable expressing their opinions and do not feel as though they can su- succeed. So once again, we have black and brown, we are we are more in 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 the conversation or we're more in the rooms. However, we're still having that gap of black and colored women feeling empowered enough or feeling represented enough in in the the room to be able to say, hey, this is how I feel or hey, this is an idea I have or whatever because they're afraid to be either shut down or shoot. At the end of the day, at at the worst, fired. Because they're afraid of voicing their opinion. This has got to change. We're still fighting for women to, to just be paid in the same vein as us men. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's 2019. And with the president that we have in office and all that kind of stuff, it feels like we're back in the 40s again because he empowered and let a lot of these people who were secretly and closet racist and hated us. You know They were in these circles of us and they pretended to like us. He gave them, he cut the grass down so now we can see the snakes. A lot of them felt empowered. A lot of them, they're, they're not opposed to saying how they feel. So back, to the, so back to the women. So majority of women in the workforce feel, workforce feel excluded combined with the fact that only two-thirds of women feel like they can voice an opinion without fear of repercussion versus 80% of men. So that's a, once again, this is a huge, huge, huge disparity as it applies to women and men in the workforce. Now, here's the positive part. Let's, Let's stay with the women. Companies with more women in leadership positions consistently outperform companies with less than half of their leadership positions filled by women. A look at the Fortune 1000 list of companies shows how important female CEOs are for a company's success. While only 5% of companies are run by women, these organizations contribute to 7% of the total revenue of the Fortune 1000 list. Let me say that one more time. The companies who are ran by women, which is only 5%, those organizations that they're in charge of contribute to 7% of the total revenue of the whole Fortune 1000 list. These companies also outperform the S&P 500 index. So in short, women in leadership are great for business. Which is not rocket science, honestly, because at the end of the day, women are... Thoughtful, you know they are introspective, yes, they 're emotional, but they work off of emotion, but at the same time, when a woman is in a place of position, she knows how to play her role and she knows how to assert herself and sometimes you sometimes your best asset can be emotion at the same time, you just have to use it smartly and you have to use it in, in, in sparingly in different ways. so women in positions of power, according to these statistics, are some of the best things that have ever happened for the economy. Let's segue to why I believe for the most part these companies are now quote unquote caring about inclusion and diversity as a fad, as a as pop culture, as the newest thing to go viral. All right? Kirby John Raymond, right, or Kirby Jean Raymond, um, he is the owner, creator of Pierre Moss, which is a fashion house. Um, he's Haitian-American. I have a lot of favorite, you know, a lot of my, I have a lot of favorite designers in, fa- in fashion for a lot of different reasons. And Kirby, in a very short time, has gone to number one on my list. And here's why. No matter how many checks this guy gets, no matter how many business opportunities, no matter how many business deals, no matter which room he is in, he is never afraid to say this is right or this is wrong on behalf of our people. Case in point, Kirby got selected for the Business of Fashion Top 500. This is a huge deal. This publication is literally responsible for some of the top publications as it applies to fashion. It's it's the elite of the elite. Kirby, a Haitian American young black man, millennial, was selected to be a part of this 500. For months, Kirby was being interviewed by them according to them for for because they wanted to put him on on the cover. They wanted to know, "Hey, who are some of the others that you would like to have on the cover with you? Uh, what, what, is, what is your thought process on inclusion? What is this and that? You know what I'm saying? They're picking his brain. These are white people, of course, Europeans, whatever, picking his brain as a black man pushing culture. Of course, as a millennial, he saw it as first at first as, this is a great opportunity. I'm getting to be in the conversation. I'm, I'm at the table and I am giving my insight on how I feel like we can progress in fashion as it applies to diversity and inclusion. Shortly thereafter, after he finishes a couple weeks of meetings with them and giving them his thought process and such, they tell him that they're going to go a different direction with the cover. So that's, this is red flag number one. Red flag number two he had a panel he was supposed to do in in London, I believe, or Europe somewhere out there. He has stopped doing group panels because he feels like a lot of the time they just pick a lot of black people, no matter what, what their role is, put them together on a panel and have them discuss black, black issues as if all of us speak up, you know, as if black, you know, a couple of blacks speak up for the whole plight of blacks. So he, in his own right, stop doing group panels, they told him it was a singular panel, just him, with a narrator asking him questions, on his way there, he then, they then let him know, hey, it's actually going to be a group panel, so they lied, period, they misled him to just get him to where they wanted to get him, and then at the end, on his way there, they're like, yo, hey, it is a group panel, which then a lot of questions and a lot of things were asked, and a lot of, a lot of 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 really of turbulence was caused because of course now they're asking certain questions to these people on this panel which is cause causing discord. Cool, well not cool but moving right along. He then gets to the gala for the Bof Five Hundred just to support his other friends who were there and whatnot and. They had a black choir there. Well, it wasn't really a black choir, but some couple black people in there. But mostly, because we're in Europe, white people singing black gospel songs and all of this kind of stuff, appropriating the culture, while excluding him. As the guy who interviewed him was was talking about, hey, you know, I'd like to thank these people for helping us look into our inclusion. He left Kirby totally off the list. So now Kirby is up to. If you can see me right now up to here, it's above my head in anger because now you've used me, you gaslighted me, you, 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 you blew smoke to me telling me you're going to give me the cover, all of this. You didn't give me that. And now you didn't even include me in the conversation of, hey, here is someone who has helped us put a flashlight on diversity and inclusion. So Kirby had a he did a he did a a, a, a write up the next day, and I, I took a couple of his his main points out of it as he explained it, and here here are some of the points that I that really stuck with me. Homage without empathy and representation is appropriation. Instead, explore your own culture, religion, and origins. By replicating ours and excluding us, you prove to us that you see us as a trend and as a fad, like. We're gonna die black. Are you? Great point. We are literally black. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice with this. I didn't have a choice being, you know, being born white or black. I was born, when I was born, this is what I was. I had to live with that plight. I had to live with the things that come with that. Except for now, for you to be able to go into our culture, take what you want to take from it, but you don't want to be black. Because you don't want to deal with the places that we deal with. You don't want to be able to go outside of your, 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 your door and when you're on the road and you're faced by a police officer, instead of me just thinking, I'm dealing with the police officer on a one-on-one for his traffic ticket, whatever it is, I'm thinking, oh, shoot, this might be my last day with this police officer as a black man, as a black woman in America. I mean, look, look what just happened in Fort Worth, Texas. I mean, she's playing video games with her son. And she gets killed. She, she, you're playing video games with your son and you get killed. I mean, I don't even know what you tell Jesus at that point when you get to the pearly gates. Like, hey Jesus, I'm sorry. I was, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and now I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that work? Literally because a cop just went in there and he's so quote unquote afraid for his life because it's a black person he's about to face, that he shot, he literally said, one command and 0.6 seconds later, not even a full second, 0.6, six tenths of a second later, he shoots her dead. Not even shoot her to injure her so that she can come back and live to see another day. Shoots her dead in front of her eight-year-old son. They They don't understand that. But they want, to be, they want the big lips, and they want the athleticism, and they want the natural God-given talent. They want the kinky hair, right? All the things that they used to make jokes about us with, right? Oh, we're monkeys, we're clowns, we're whatever. All of a sudden now, y'all are going to these doctors, and y'all are pumping up your lips, and you're getting a big butt, you're widening your hips. But you don't want to be black. You honestly don't want to deal with what we deal with. But you want it to do, you want the cool parts of it, all right? So now let's keep it moving. Another quote, I'm offended that you gaslighted me, used us, then monetized it, and then excluded us in the most disrespectful way to patronize, patronize, I'm sorry, companies that need racist offsets. And I'm offended that you all made all of them beautiful black and brown people really feel terrible to the point of where some of my friends said, this is helpless and others left in tears. The last quote that he said that really stuck with me, and and and, I, and I'm going to take this for the rest of my life. Even if I'm getting checks, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stop myself from checking y'all when y'all are not doing the right thing. And that's another thing. A lot of the times, money predetermines what we say or how we do this or. No, it should never do that. Money shouldn't replace our moral compasses. Money shouldn't replace the core of who we are. And that's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. The proverb says the love of money. A lot of people say money is the root. No, money is necessary. God didn't make us to be broken, disgusted, and frustrated Money runs the world. We live in the world. But the love of it, things that will make you change your moral compass, that is where you got to be careful with that. So with that being said, what can we do? Because I always like to offer solutions. I don't want to just be the guy that, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Nah, what can we do to make sure that we're more than included To make sure that it's more than just diversity. To make sure that we're not only just sitting at the foot of the table or sitting at the table, that we own the goddamn table. What can we do? And I think the one thing that it comes down to is ownership. Enough with us being included. Enough with us wanting to be a part. Let's own it. In whatever capacity that looks like. Now, I know a lot of people right now are like, well, Kim, I mean, how do you own when majority is already set up for the whites to own and they already own and we're already playing from the back. We're already coming from the back of the race. to How do we get to the front? Supporting each other. If your brother or sister has a brand, has a food service, I don't care what it is, spend money with your own. Yes, we need to be able to partner with resources, and I get it. We can't do business with all black people. I wish. I wish we could, but let's be real. We can't, just because of how it's set up. So we have to partner sometime with them. But let's make sure who we're partnering with is not the detriment of it all. It's not the root of the evil. It's not the source of what we're fighting. I'm not going to sit here and be like, all white people are bad. But at the same time, we have to be very, very particular and be very, very careful in who we're doing business with. One of my homeboys, Fred, um, Frederick Bussey, if you're you're, uh, on Amazon and you're looking for a book to check out, he has a new book called Breaking Orbit. Um, I I haven't gotten it yet, but I plan to get it this weekend and do some reading. But I already know a lot of what he's saying in it because I talked to him. On a daily, this is like one of my big brothers, one of my mentors. he always has a particular and a and a and a very unique introspective look into our culture into us, and just pushing culture forward. The other day, I asked do we really do we believe that 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 we are truly being included in these in these in these discussions and and in corporate America, et cetera?" Fred has this to say, and I quote, We sell ourselves short when we seek to be included instead of invested in our own. Ownership makes our presence about power and not just positioning. To ensure our impact matters in ways that truly elevate our people, it's about doing whatever we can and owning whatever we can. And that makes a lot of sense. We are tired of just wanting to be included because now they've figured it out. Oh, all they want to do is be included? Oh, that ain't going to take anything from us. Let's just do it as a fad. Let's just do it as pop culture. No, nah, we're not here for pop culture. We've been, we've been here. We've been excellent. Black excellence has been a thing. This is not a new thing. We don't just want to be at the table, we want to own the table. So with every little piece that we own, we are setting ourselves up more and more for success. We're pairing ourselves up with better resources. We're putting ourselves in a better situation for the future. And at the end of the day, it's about the next generation. So the more that we own, our next generation, my kids, my kids' kids, it's gonna be a lot of brown children on your Forbes list. End quote, Sister Beyonce, shout out to you. Cleo would love that one. But anyway. I, let me be honest. I've never been the biggest Tyler Perry fan. And I, I want to make sure I preface by saying this. I I had a lot of issues with some of the some of the, the, the movies he did, how he represented us. Sometimes it felt like he took our black culture and made it a joke. Sometimes it took like he was making jokes of a black fat woman, or you know, playing into the stereotypes that people have made of us. However my respect went through the roof once Tyler Perry owned his own studio, built his own studio with no partnership with sole proprietorship and has his own. The other day I literally drove by and went on the property and the energy that was on the property, even up to the black security guard who was at the front gate, me and him were talking and I I was like, bro, how does it feel to be here? And he was like, it's a dream. It's like, It's almost like it's not real. And it felt not real. Just being able to go through East Point in Atlanta, Georgia, and you're riding through this urban community, and then you make this turn, and all of a sudden, it's like Wakanda. It honestly feels like, wait, where the hell am I? Like, this state-of-the-art facility built by a black man, owned by a black man, and will be business that will go into a black man's pocket. He's also hiring black people. So once again, he has become my muse, one of my muses for 2019 and forward because ownership, this is what we have to do, guys. We gotta start owning our own. Here's the last statistic that I have before we wrap this up. And I hope, once again, when I release this, man, I want to have great interaction. I want to really have feedback about this because this is not gonna just stop here. Um I want to I want to truly hear how do we feel? Maybe y'all dis- disagree with me. Maybe shit, maybe all that I've said is a bunch of bullshit and you you don't agree. Tell me. I would love to hear. I would love to have the conversation. Don't just say, "Oh, that n- nigga Kem is crazy" or "Oh, hey, that nigga Kem is right." Nah. Tell me why I'm right or tell me why I'm wrong. Let's have the discussion. Let's put it on social media. Let's let that go viral. We let a lot of other things go viral. Let's let's concent- let's do these things to make sure that we're teaching our, ourselves and the next generation about what it is that we need to do. But here's the last statistic. Overall minority-owned firms make up about 15% of the nation's businesses and generated about 3% of all receipts. Minority-owned businesses are those owned by African Americans, Hispanics, Asians, Pacific Islanders, or American Indians and Alaska Natives. So we're up to 15% of ownership. And this is I think this This statistic was as of 2016, so we should be up a little more than that now, and I'll look up some newer numbers after this. But with that being said, we are getting better. We are owning more. Let's keep going. Let's not stop here. With everything that we own, with every piece that we own, I don't care if it's a 0.10, I don't care if it's 0.5% of something, let's own more. Let's build these businesses. Let's, let's have more entrepreneurs. Let's hire more of our own. Let's build our own black ecosystem, colored ecosystem. Don't forget where you come from. I'm from the Virgin Islands. I want to be bigger than that, but at the same time, home is always where my heart will be. And I'm, if I can do business with a Virgin Islander that is deserving of my business, I'm going to do that. I don't care if it's a brand. I don't care whatever it is. I'm going to put money in my people's pockets so that they can put money in their people's pockets and so on and so forth. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Once again, I'm going to get better with getting my podcast out a little sooner. I appreciate y'all being patient with me. I appreciate everything that y'all are doing. I see y'all out here shining. I see y'all out here winning. Everybody's doing their thing at a high level. I'm rooting for everybody that's black. As Wale said on this song, I'm down with y'all. If y'all need anything from me, holler at me, man. I'll see y'all in a bit. Peace. Once again, before I end it as well, find me at Flying Intellectual on Instagram. Um, at Mr. FYI on Twitter. Um, Mr. That's M-I-S-T-E-R underscore FYI. Mr. underscore FYI on Twitter. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. Uh, Flying Intellectual on the Facebook page. Um, Yeah, man, you can follow me wherever, man. Let's talk about it. Let's be about it. Let's inform, inspire, interact with the people. Peace out.